Good morning and welcome to St. Columbus on this, the 16th Sunday after Trinity, for our service of Holy Communion. It's good to see you, and I welcome visitors in particular. All of you are most welcome. We turn to page 201. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to intercede for us in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and in what we have left undone. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
collect for today, the 16th Sunday after Trinity. O Lord, hear the prayers of your people who call upon you, and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first church Paul founded in Europe was at Philippi. Some years later, from prison, probably in Rome, he writes warmly to his friends. Despite his circumstances, and sometimes a longing for his life to end, he believes he can be useful to God. Let readers then keep faith against all their adversaries. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation, <clears throat> and this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
This well-known parable of the generous landowner helps us to understand how God gives not what we might earn from him, but more than we could ever desire or deserve. In the kingdom of heaven, there are no rewards, only grace for all. Hear the gospel of our Saviour Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the labourers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all the day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last, then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the Gospel of the Lord. O Lord, open my lips that I may speak only your word and seal them to anything false. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever noticed, as I'm sure you have, that whenever you tune in to watching the news on the television, 
no matter what channel it actually is. There is very little time actually given to news items. The rest of the, the news programme is very largely a kind of a magazine. It's all about interviewing various people uh, singled out by the broadcasters and they're there to tell their particular story and their particular problems that they're having. In most cases, of course, nowadays, it's, it's all about the chaos of the government or the chaos of the health service, same thing, I suppose, or the various problems uh, about individual people. All of them, of course, very genuine in their own way. But there's one thing, one thing I notice that we don't hear very often. And that is a word of thanks or gratitude for any help already received. It is all about, we've never got enough, we need more of this, we need more of that, we need more of everything else. When do you ever hear, we thank the government for what we have been given, and we thank the government that we are not as badly off as some of the third world countries. No, it's always enough is never enough. We always need more. In the epistle read for us just a short while ago, St. Paul himself could have listed any number of grumblings or complaints. He's been beaten several times, imprisoned several times. He's been shipwrecked. But he always remains thankful for small mercies. That portion which we read as the epistle this morning from Philippians, it's a lovely letter. It's a letter which the Bible study enjoyed greatly reading through last year. It turned out to be one of the most affectionate letters that we possess from St. Paul's hand. It was addressed to the Christians at Philippi in Macedonia, which is up north from Greece. And they formed the very first congregation established through St. Paul on European soil. And that was always important to Paul. They were the very first Christian congregation established on European soil through St. Paul. You find that in Acts chapter 16. And therefore, Paul's relationship with the Philippian church was a very happy and peaceful relationship. Aha, not so. That was despite the fact that in that particular time, as we also heard at the introduction of the, the epistle, Paul was in prison, awaiting all kinds of sentences, if not even the death sentence. He was in prison at that time of writing, and he had been suffering many hardships. Indeed, so was the Philippian church, the tiny congregation was suffering much persecution, not so much 
from the hands of the Roman authorities, much more so by the Jewish authorities who wanted to stamp it out entirely. What did we read in the the epistle? Only live your life a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ and in no way be intimidated by your opponents. No way be intimidated by your opponents. And there were many of those opponents in that tiny Christian congregation. Yet, and this is the thing, the whole letter of Paul to the Philippians is peppered with words like joy or joyous, thanksgiving, grace, peace, humility. All of those things are in that epistle, right from the very beginning. It is a joy to to write to the epistle, write his letter to the Philippian community. Not a word of complaint. Not a grumble, but always gratitude. Gratitude for small mercies. With the love of Jesus Christ, proclaimed in just about every line throughout that reading. Now, if this were morning prayer rather than communion, there would have been an Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 16. It's all about Moses leading the Israelites through the Sinai Desert. They had been uh, through an awful lot of trouble at the hands of the Egyptians. They had been led through the Red Sea. Now they were wandering in a desert waste. And what did they do? Were they thankful to God? Not a bit of it. They grumbled. Couldn't get enough. Well, fair enough, they were in the desert. They couldn't get their their food. They couldn't get their water to drink. And they grumbled against Moses. And they said, uh, why didn't you let us uh, leave us alone in the Egyptians? At least whilst we were slaves, we did have some food to eat. Now we have got nothing. Well, I'm not going to go any further than that because apparently the, that's part of the first reading next Sunday, uh, which is actually our harvest about the, the bread of life. So I'm not going to say any more to that, more about that, other than the fact that the people were always grumbling and Moses had to keep reminding them, think of what God has done for you. He has delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians, from the hands of slavery, and yet you're not content. In other words, he was saying to them, be thankful for small mercies. Well, we leave it at that for this week. But then we'll move on to the, the gospel passage for today, from Matthew chapter 20. The parable, as we said, is a well-known parable of the generous landowner, or so the people thought he was a generous person. Well, the last time I was in the, the, the Holy Land on pilgrimage was in May of 2019. In other words, the year before the pandemic, which stopped absolutely everything, But whenever we were on the bus, on the coach, we were traveling through modern Jerusalem to wherever it was we were going, I forget where it was, but we were passing by 
a, a, a group of people, and they were standing in a row. And just at that point, the bus came to a halt because of traffic lights, and the leader decided, right, now that the bus has stopped, I can point something out to you. And the leader said, do you see that line of about eight or nine people standing there? You'd think they're waiting on a bus, wouldn't you? But there's no bus stop. They're not waiting on a bus. They are waiting on someone coming to employ them for the day. It was one of three points in modern Jerusalem where people who were looking for a day's work actually congregated and they queued up on a line uh, and employers would come to those points and they would choose somebody to go and do a day's work for them. You think to yourself, has that really changed from 2,000 years ago when Jesus told them this parable? Obviously, he saw this happening. Obviously, he saw people standing in, in certain areas, the marketplace, for instance, in the parable, standing in certain areas waiting for employers to come to those areas to employ them for a day's work. So, hasn't changed at all. It's still there to this very day. And at first, as we go through the, the parable itself, uh, the, the, the landowner went out and he found somebody at this time of the day, at another time of the day, at a time of evening, and uh, whenever evening came, he handed out the day's wage to them, which they had agreed on a day's wage. But the ones who were uh, only working the last hour, they got the same as the ones who had been bearing all the heat of the day and the work. Doesn't seem fair. Sure it doesn't. What do you think the trade unions would make of it nowadays? Not an awful lot. Yet, the landowner pointed out in the parable that he is the one who is being generous, not unfair. Can I not do what I want with my own money if I choose to give this one who's only worked an hour the same as I give to you? What's that to you? Did you not agree with your daily wage? So take what is yours and go. One wonders, did they? The parable doesn't tell us that, but I'm quite sure they went and grumbled to themselves all roads, trying to sort out the world's problems, trying to sort out this, wondering why this landowner is so generous. It's just not right. He shouldn't do things like that. Well... Times haven't changed today, have they? We still love to grumble and gripe about the, 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 state, the, the affairs of the country, the health service, the education, everything. And let's face it, we all do like to sort out the world's problems over a cup of coffee, don't we? We still will do that, and so it goes on. So, be thankful for small mercies is perhaps one of the lessons that we take out of that. We may like to grumble about all sorts of things that to us are not right, yet we need to be reminded to be thankful for what we have received. Just like Moses had to tell the Israelites, be thankful for what you have received and trust God, trust God to provide what is necessary for you. 
just like St. Paul did as well. He was always thankful, even though he was in the darkest of prisons. He was always rejoicing, and that word rejoice came through his letters. Not only the, the, the letter to the Philippians, but to all of his letters, wherever he was. But we don't be thankful for small mercies alone, do we? That's not the whole message of the gospel. The message of the gospel, including this passage that we read this morning as our gospel, is about the great goodness, not the small mercies, the great mercies of our God. We note that next week at our Harvest Festival Thanksgiving. And God's great goodness is not just tangible gifts. We get those as well when we look for them. But the priceless gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross for our sins and rose again for our justification. And that's a big goodness. That is the biggest goodness that anybody could ever receive. The mercy of God is not just something small. It is great. It is beneficial. It is given to all of us who do not deserve any of it. That's the meaning of the word grace. We do not deserve grace. It is God's goodness. Lavished would be the word. Lavished upon each of us, sinful people as we are. God's goodness is no small mercy, but a great mercy. And that's where our hope really lies, isn't it? In our justification through Jesus Christ. What did we sing in our opening hymn? All my hope on God is founded. And what do you think? What do you think might be our response to our hope on God? Could it be found in the last hymn? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
Look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, hear the prayers which we offer in faith and love. For peace and for your salvation to be known throughout the world. For the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and for the unity of all Christian people. Almighty God, you have called us to your service. May you therefore bless us with the wisdom and power of your spirit that we may know your will and be strong to obey it. Strengthen us with your trust so that we may accomplish your work in the world, so that we may make the door of our church wide enough to welcome all who need human love, fellowship and a father's care, but narrow enough to shut out all envy, pride and hatred. Fill our church with your truth, keep it in your peace, and unite it in the knowledge of your divine love. Lord, in your mercy. For all who serve and lead in your church, for bishops, priests, and deacons, give them strength and courage and guide them in all their work that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. Bless David, our bishop, John, our rector, Ken and Walter, our assistant priests, Karen, our diocesan lay reader, and all their families. For all your people, growing in the faith of Christ and passing it on to generations yet to come. Bless the members of our parish and let us come together in love and fellowship, giving thanks for our beautiful church, which has been thoughtfully renovated in order to enhance our worship and witness. Bless all who are involved in the life and work of this parish, and we give thanks to get today for all our parish organisations as they prepare to begin another year of activities and meetings in your name. In our diocesan cycle of prayer today, we pray for the Women of Down and Dromore Encounter event, which will be held next Saturday morning in St. Donard's Church. Lord, in your mercy. For all who live and work in this community. Lord, increase the sense of community that binds us to one another. Help us to create a place where people feel welcomed and valued. Help us all to make our own contributions to our community and to learn to be good neighbours. We pray for those whose work sustains our society for those who work in trade or industry, for the members of the emergency services, and for those who work in education, health, medical or social care. And we think particularly this morning of the members of our police service of Northern Ireland, of the stress and anxiety caused to many recently by the breach of data. And we pray that a new, competent and energetic leader may be found to guide them through these challenging times. Lord, in your mercy. Your For families 
and for those who live alone. Father in heaven, we pray for the homes and families of all who are here today. Help us to care for each other and to take the time both to talk and to listen. Help us not only to forgive and forget, but also to be willing to apologize and to receive forgiveness. Help us to know you, Lord, as the source of all love, and may your peace and presence abide in all our homes. Lord, we pray for all who are lonely, for those who find it hard to make friends, for those who feel rejected or isolated, for those who have been bereaved, for the elderly and for all those who live alone. Be with them, Lord, and bless them all as each one needs. Lord, in your mercy. For all who are sick in body or in mind, and for those who care for them. We think particularly of those who are ill, either at home or in hospital, and those who are on our parish prayer list. We pray for anyone we know to be in particular need. For those who are anxiously awaiting test results. For those who are terminally ill and for those who wait with them. Be present to them, Lord, through the support of family and friends and in the care of doctors and nurses and fill them with your love now and always. And we pray for all who are in pain and suffering throughout the world. We think of those who have lost their homes and loved ones as a result of natural disasters, particularly in Morocco and Libya. O oh Lord, you bring hope out of emptiness. Comfort these people in their sadness and keep them in your loving care. Lord, in your mercy. For all in authority, and especially for Charles, our King. For all who have been entrusted with the responsibility of government. We pray for politicians, leaders and rulers throughout the world that they may use their influence wisely and justly. We pray particularly for the members of our assembly here in Northern Ireland. May you grant them wisdom, O oh God, and integrity, so that they may break this political stalemate and learn to work together to resolve current and pressing issues and to obtain a more secure future for the people of our land, based on equality, fairness, and justice. Lord, in your mercy. For those who work for peace, justice and righteousness throughout the world. We pray for all parts of the world where there is war, conflict and unrest. And for those who have suffered as a result of violence and oppression. Thinking in particular of those in Ukraine. We pray for all who are working to improve international relationships and for those who endeavour to bring aid and relief in war-torn countries. Lord God, let us seek no other peace but the peace which is yours and make us its instruments, opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we should always know what work of peace 
we may do for you. Lord, in your mercy. Rejoicing in the fellowship of your holy apostles and martyrs, and of all your servants departed this life in your faith and fear, we commend ourselves and one another and our whole life to you, Lord God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We do not presume to come to this, your table, merciful Lord, trusting our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all things come from you, and of your own we give you. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us celebrate.
Father Almighty and ever-living God at all times and in all places, it is right to give you thanks and praise. And so with all your people, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing. Blessed are you, Father, the creator and sustainer of all things. You made us in your own image. Male and female, you created us. Even when we turned away from you, you never ceased to care for us. But in your love and mercy, you freed us from the slavery of sin, giving your only begotten Son to become man and suffer death on the cross to redeem us. He made there the one complete and all-sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, he instituted and in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks to you, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
Therefore, Father, with this bread and this cup we do as Christ your Son commanded. We remember his passion and death. We celebrate his resurrection and ascension, and we look for the coming of his kingdom. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, grant by the power of the life-giving Spirit that we may be made one in your holy church and partakers of the body and blood of your Son, that he may dwell in us and we in him. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour Christ has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. We be many are one body, for we all share in the one bread. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, who has taken away the sins of the world. Happy are those who are called to his supper. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed.
Let us pray. God of mercy, through our sharing in this holy sacrament, you make us one body in Christ. Fashion us in his likeness here on earth, that we may share his glorious company in heaven, where he lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, 
and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you all for being with us this morning and how lovely to have the creche and Sunday school children back in with us where they could receive a blessing during the administration. And thank you to all the teachers and the helpers with Sunday school and creche. Next Sunday is our harvest and please note that the church service time will be 11 o'clock to facilitate lunch. The catering committee are working very hard for a delicious lunch. We know how hard they work. We know how delicious their lunches are. All they need is us to come along to enjoy the benefits of their labors and their hard work. And the lunch should be in the hall. And if you would like to go, please take one of these tickets with you before you leave. This is simply for catering purposes only. On the day, it's voluntary donations for the Church Hall Fund, which is rather depleted at the moment, having used all the reserves to replace the Church Hall roof and all the gutters, so a wonderful opportunity to replenish reserves for the hall as we give thanks at harvest next Sunday. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>